Well, good morning. It's lovely to be with you all this morning on a sunny day. Uh, it's Palm Sunday, as we've already heard, and in a few, few moments we're going to hear uh, that reading of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. A few months ago now, uh, when Vladimir Putin uh, launched his war, or as he calls it, his Russia's military campaign against Ukraine, it's believed that he expected uh, to seize the country of Ukraine really quickly and easily. He expected, if you like, to have his own triumphal entry into Ukraine to demonstrate his own military might and power over that country. And the reality, however, has turned out rather differently. Alexander the Great is said to have entered into India as conquering king. He was sat on a golden throne, hoisted on an ivory chariot in the midst of a procession. And this procession consisted of 200 painted elephants, 200 camels, soldiers riding black horses backwards. If anybody can tell me why that is, that would be great. I'd love to know. 200 tame lions and heralds all around him. And the heralds were proclaiming this. I am the Lord of the universe. I conquered the world. Now I will conquer the stars. Subtle, humble human being. So many men through history, uh, sorry, they were mainly men, have aspired uh, to be God and have been proclaimed by others to be like God. And some have been revered as unquestionable in their godlike status. They've embodied this conquering hero uh, type status. But as we stand at the beginning of this Holy Week in 2022, we're going to take a few moments to just look at Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And as we do that, I hope that you will see with me that Jesus is the King of Kings and is the Lord of Lords. But he is a very different sort of king, a very different sort of conquering hero. And this is a very different triumphal entry. So Neil's going to bring us our reading now from Luke 19. Thanks, Neil. Okay, so uh, yeah, readings from Luke 19. Uh, verses 28 to 44, and it's on page 1054 in the NV Bibles. Uh, so it's Luke 19, verses 28 to 44, and it's page 1054. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he appro- approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. 
As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Thanks, Neil. Anybody spot what's missing in Luke chapter 19? Sorry, palm branches. Well done, 10 points up for Connor Snowden there. Uh, It isn't really Palm Sunday, according to Luke. It's more like Cloak Sunday or something. Palms mentioned in some of the other Gospels, but not in Luke's Gospels. That's a little geeky aside, sorry. Uh, So Jesus is a very different sort of king, and we see it in this passage here. There are a number of key events in, we'll call it Palm Sunday, because Cloak Sunday doesn't sound right, uh, which signal to us the sort of king uh, that Jesus is. So we're going to start by actually just looking at the way uh, that Jesus enters into Jerusalem. If you've got a Bible on your phone, uh, open it, try not to get distracted by all the other things on your phone uh, as we go through the sermon. We've got some really exciting things to look at today, uh, Luke chapter 19. So we're going to start by the way that Jesus enters into Jerusalem. So Jesus and his disciples were most probably staying outside the city walls. And Luke records how in this week, this last week of Jesus' life, Jesus enters into the city twice. But there is a significant difference between the first and the second time he enters the city. This contrasting way that Jesus, if you like, enters the space or comes into the room. The first entry into Jerusalem is the one we've just heard in Luke chapter 19. It's a really public entry into the city. The crowds are gathered around him. They're hailing him as a triumphant king. But the second entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, we find in Luke chapter 22. And that's in stark contrast to the first time. It's three days after this triumphal entry. And this time, Jesus enters really quietly into Jerusalem. He's surrounded by his friends, his closest friends, not not the crowds this time. And he enters Jerusalem to share the Passover feast with those friends in the upper room. Now, I'm an extrovert, you might have noticed. Uh, And one of the things I absolutely love is a room full of people. Give me a wave if you are like me. 
love a room full of people. Oh my goodness, there's far too many introverts in this room. Um, I just love a room full of people. I love that moment when I'm stad- stood, you introverts are going to think I'm a complete weirdo at this point. I love that moment where I'm stood outside somebody's door uh, and I'm going to their house for a party and I have that sort of anticipation of everybody who's behind the door who I'm going to meet and have the chance to talk to and get to know all the people that I'm going to be able to move around just having lovely chats with all evening and then the door opens and I'm like a dog with a bone going into that door all over the space all over the people it's just like heaven to me but I also have quite a strong introvert side. I love uh, some of those uh, moments where I'm just with small groups of people. Uh, these usually come when, I'm a bit, when I've been really busy or I'm a bit tired and I just want to be with a few folk that I know really well. I want to just sit down and have a proper conversation with them. You see, I'm not a, a true introvert because I would be on my own in those moments. I want to still be with people. I want to just sit down with a couple of people and have a proper conversation. You know, I want to share on a deeper level with them. I want to be quieter and get more personal. And so I enter the room in a different way. But in both those situations, I'm still me. Both of them together, you get a picture of who I really am. So here in Luke chapter 19, the Jews are gathered in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, and it is the ultimate party. Thousands have traveled from all over Israel to be there. There's an air of expectation and celebration, friends greeting friends, relatives being reunited. Uh, This awesome structure of the temple looms large over the city. And as Jesus and his friends near Jerusalem, as they, if you like, stand at the door of the party, Jesus sends a couple of his friends ahead. And he tells them, uh, go in and you're going to find a cult. And it's going to be tied up and you're to untie the cult. Now, I'd never noticed before, uh, but did you see that Jesus talks in this passage about untying the cult. He uses the phrase tying or untying five times. He's he's really hammering home this point. He really wants them to hear that they the cult will be tied up and they are to untie the cult. It's like Jesus is just making sure that they've really heard the instructions perhaps, like a parent making sure that their teenager really has got it when, you, when they say, I want you to empty the dishwasher. I need you to go into the kitchen and I need you to empty the dishwasher. So that means that you will actually have to enter the room and go over to the dishwasher and open the dishwasher door and take the clean things out of the dishwasher because that's what it means to empty the dishwasher. Sorry, getting a little uh, on my high horse there. Maybe Jesus is just making sure here that they've heard the instructions that he wants them to untie the colt. But it's actually more than that. This mention of untying the cult here in Luke's gospel is a significant part of Jesus revealing who he really is. His followers, 
that are listening to him as he gives these instructions will have known the Old Testament. And they'll have known the passage in Genesis chapter 49, which talks about how the rescuer will come on a donkey that will have been tied up. And they would have known too the significance, not just of a donkey, but the foal of a donkey, a colt. In Zechariah 9, 9, the prophet proclaims, See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This, was, this way that Jesus enters Jerusalem, riding on an untied colt, is a really public and obvious fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah. And with Jesus on this road to Jerusalem are his disciples, his followers, not just the 12, but a whole crowd of his followers that have been traveling with him up this steep winding road uh, from Jericho into Judea. And they're so excited. We get a sense in this passage. They've been hanging out with Jesus for three years. They've heard and seen all that he has said and done. Only a few days before, they've witnessed uh, the raising of Jesus' friend, Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. He'd been in the grave for three days. They're excited. They're expectant. Everything is pointing to this explanation that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that they've been waiting for. He is the one that is going to rescue them from the hands of the Roman oppressors. He is the one that is going to give them back this promised land. And so as they enter Jerusalem with Jesus, uh, Luke tells us that they begin to joyfully praise, the, uh, praise God. They take off their cloaks and they lay them uh, in front of the cult on the street, a bit like some sort of raggedy red carpet as Jesus on the cult rides over them. And they hail him, not just as their mate who they've been following around for the last three years, but they hail him as the conquering king. And they sing a song of praise uh, from Psalm 118. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. This teacher, this healer, this miracle worker, they proclaim him as king. And then Jesus begins to weep. Sat on his donkey proclaimed as king, receiving the adulation of the crowds, the conquering hero, Jesus begins to weep. But in this moment, we see again that Jesus is a very different sort of king. The burden of all that he's carrying his immense compassion for the world. We've just sung, haven't we? Break my heart for what breaks yours. I couldn't bear that. I can't bear the thought of my heart being broken in the way that God's heart's broken. I think I'd crumple under it. But Jesus carries that burden for the world. He knows the brokenness of the city that he's, em he's entering. 
He knows the sin that is pervading people's lives. And all that just spills over, and he weeps. A forlorn figure, Max Ricardo says, weeping, riding not a stallion or a chariot, but on the back of a baby donkey, a borrowed cloak draped across its back. He weeps. Last week, Pete Gregg, um, many of you will know of him, posted this photo of President Zelensky as he walked around the devastated city of Buchan. Now, I'm sure that President Zelensky is not a perfect man or a perfect leader, but the pain and the compassion that we see there on his face, he's broken for his people. He weeps with his people over his nation, and it's so moving just seeing his face there. And Pete Gregg offered his reflection on leadership just based on this picture. He says, you know, great leaders care. They're empathetic, emotionally engaged. They're not in it for themselves. He said, great leaders are courageous. They do not shy away from sacrifice or run away from conflict. Great leaders understand their brand. They're not chameleons. They don't try and please everyone and change all the time. Great leaders build great trust. They don't stand alone. Great leaders are intensely focused. They work out what matters and shut out everything else. And great leaders understand the power of symbolism. Even in this moment of triumph for Jesus, Jesus weeps over the brokenness of the city. A number of years ago, uh, Christian writer Henri Nguyen wrote this. I'm deeply convinced that the Christian leader of the future is called to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her own vulnerable self. That is the way Jesus came to reveal God's love in his own vulnerable self. And that is the king that we see riding into Jerusalem. Jesus is not just a great leader, but a very different sort of king. Riding on a colt, hailed as a king, weeping, and yet possessing all power. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that's what it looks like. And so that's the first entry into Jerusalem. But then a few days later, Jesus enters Jerusalem again. You might want to flick forward to Luke chapter 22, verses 7 and following. Again, Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem and sends two of his disciples ahead of him to prepare the way. 
as you enter the city, he says. A man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him uh, to the house that he enters. And then he explains what to do and how to, to tell him how they know what is about to happen. And they left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. Again, two disciples sent ahead to prepare the way. And Jesus tells them what to expect. And it is so. But apart from this similarity to the events of Palm Sunday, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on the Thursday couldn't be more different, but still tells us so much of who Jesus is. You see, this time Jesus almost secretly, quietly enters into the city This time, not with the crowds of followers of Palm Sunday, but just with his closest friends. This is personal. No crowds, no public declaration of a conquering king. He just walks alongside the people who he knows and he loves and who know him and love him because he doesn't want or need the crowds now. He just needs the few, his friends. He just needs those people he can be vulnerable with and to share this significant and profound moment with. And then it's around the table in the upper room with his friends, not in front of a crowd of people who are hailing him as king, that he reveals how his victory will come, how he will claim his kingly throne. Not in a political victory as they expected on Palm Sunday over the Roman occupiers, but actually through his bloodshed and his body broken, that's how he'll be victorious. His suffering and his death. And he says, this is how my kingdom will come. Not as some political ideal, but as a new covenant that will come through my broken body and my bloodshed that will transform your hearts and enable you to be reconciled to God. A very different sort of king, a very different sort of victory. Two journeys into Jerusalem both shared with his followers, one surrounded by a crowd, one walking with his closest friends, both deeply significant as Jesus reveals that he is a very different sort of king, a king whose cot was a manger and whose throne was a cross, a king who is worthy of all the worship of all the people in all the earth and yet also comes alongside us and meets us in the mountaintops and the valleys of our lives. You see, Jesus meets us in these moments of great worship as we're gathered together, sometimes hundreds of us together, and we're able to just raise our hands in worship and give him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. 
And I know that sometimes uh, when I'm here on a Sunday or other times in the week, in those moments of praise and worship, I'm able to lift my eyes and see Jesus for who he is. And in those moments, he meets with me. And maybe he looks at us sometimes like he does uh, with the disciples in the passage on that Palm Sunday. And he says to the uh, Pharisees, you know, when they're trying to stop them praising, and he just laughs and he says, you try and shut up these people. He can see our hearts. He can see our authentic offering of worship. And he meets us in those moments because he's a very different sort of king. But Jesus is the king of the mountains and the valleys. And so he also meets us in our Maundy Thursday moments. The moments when we just need to walk quietly with Jesus because life is tough. Maybe in those moments, like those disciples on that first Maundy Thursday, who walk with Jesus into Jerusalem confused, not knowing what on earth was going on, We've had Palm Sunday, but now this feels different. And sometimes our lives are like that. And we walk with Jesus through times that are confusing, that are painful, that hurt. And in those moments, we can know that Jesus is walking alongside. He is still the same King, the same Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He meets us in those moments where we're entering parties and it's a time of celebration and life is good. But he meets us when we're sat beside the bed of a loved one, watching them take their final breaths. Jesus is in those moments as well because Jesus is a different sort of king. He is the king who brought about the great reversal who transformed people's lives once and for all, who transformed society once and for all, and invites us to join that journey with him. And so maybe this Holy Week, it's a time for us to meet with and rediscover Jesus. The Jesus of Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Day. I'd encourage you to actually, if you can, journey with Jesus through this Holy Week and meet this very different sort of king again. Maybe just open scripture and actually just slowly read through the chapters that lead us from Palm Sunday to Easter Day. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you again. If you can, maybe come along to some of the services that we've got here at P's and G's and go on this journey with Jesus right through this week, through the mountaintops and the valleys. Jesus longs to meet you and I on this road to Jerusalem. Jesus is a very different sort of king because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords the one we hail as king, and yet the one who walks alongside us as friend. And when we see him in both these moments, we get to see who he truly is. And we get to experience his transforming power in our lives.
like to just invite uh, the band up. And as they come up, let's stand together. And let's just hold a few moments for our own quiet thoughts and prayer. Maybe you just want to bring to God now whatever is on your heart. Maybe you feel like one of those disciples on that first Palm Sunday. You just want to worship God. You want to see his victory. But maybe you feel more like those friends of Jesus as they walked into Jerusalem on that Maundy Thursday. It feels really different. You're confused. You don't know what's going on. You're afraid of what's before you. Things, life just feels hard at the moment. And maybe for you, you just need to know that Jesus is there. He's walking alongside. He's your friend. He knows. He understands. He's listening. So let's just take this moment to just talk to him, to praise him if you're feeling like a Palm Sunday disciple. Just tell him what's on your heart if you feel like a Maundy Thursday disciple. Jesus, we offer you the whole of ourselves. And we long to know the whole of who you are. The victorious, conquering king. And the one who looks at us with love and compassion and sees and knows. The one who is the beginning and the end and the one that is in this moment with us. The one who has the power to transform wars, to humble leaders, to bring about world transformation, and yet also just longs to come and meet with us and forgive us our sins and give us new life in you. Help us to be humble enough to recognize who you are, to lower ourselves, to lift you high. To not be afraid to worship you with exuberance and praise like the disciples did on that first Palm Sunday, but yet also just to kneel at your feet. And so we continue as we worship you now, Lord of Lords and King of Kings.